The Old Testament reading this morning is from Psalm 19. Psalm 19, it can be found on page 545 in your pew Bibles. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is the word of the Lord. Our New Testament reading this morning is from 1 Corinthians 1, beginning in verse 18 and going through 25. It can be found on page 1142 and 1143 of your pew Bibles. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was, pre what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Thanks, Carolyn. Good morning, church. How's it going? Doing all right, all right. Let's, uh, let's pray together.
God of Lent, God of the cross. We ask that by the ministry of your Holy Spirit, you this morning would remind us of the good news of the gospel. That yet again, we may find ourselves blessed at the feet of the cross and alive in your mercy. So speak, Lord, and help our hearts to be open. We pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people prayed. I'm curious if anybody in this room or any of you on Zoom are tired. (laughs) It's a a rhetorical question. You don't have to raise your hand. (laughs) A couple people. Uh, And the laughter says something, right? Uh, Because I'm not just talking about tired like, oh yeah, stayed up too late last night. I'm talking about tired of life exhausted at the rat race that life in 2024 in the United States of America, uh, how, how exhausting that can so often be. The, the image this week of, uh, you know, when people have these, these poles and they spin plates, and I thought if I was, you know, a really good preacher, I would learn to do that so that you have this clear visual aid, but I think that probably takes longer than a few days to learn how to do. But imagine a series of poles, and sometimes, you know, life is like trying to keep all these, these plates spinning. I think of, you know, professionally for myself, I, I want to be a good pastor, and I want to, you know, be on top of my email and show up prepared for meetings and put in all the, the due diligence that goes into preaching and caring for my spiritual life and all these things and so I start to you know focus and get that that plate really spinning so it it doesn't tip over but then I also want to be a a good husband to Jen and so you know we start to prioritize we do date night every Monday and so we get that plate going really investing in that putting time and energy into that but then our kids are sad because it's another night of the week that we're gone. And so then I think, okay, now I need to maybe do a, a trip, a vacation. And I got to keep this plate spinning and really give it some, some spin. But then it's like, oh, but now that we've been away on vacation, I get home and I see there's still a bunch of junk on our porch and in our driveway. And the backyard needs care. And the side of our house is the paint is coming down. And so I need to, as a good homeowner, as a good neighbor... Get that spinning. And, and meanwhile, the other ones start to wobble a little bit, right, as you start to shift your attention. I want to be a responsible adult who does things like pays my bills on time, right? And that pile of mail at the, the front door starts to build up. We want to be good friends to our friends and show up in the important times. We want to be good children to our parents good siblings to our siblings. We want to be good global citizens who keep up on what's happening in the world, right? And all of a sudden, there's a dozen plates spinning, and it's like, how in the world can I keep all this going? And so I need another plate to go to counseling to be a healthy person. (laughs) And then maybe I need a massage, right? And 
all these plates spinning. I gotta remember my ADHD medication to get that filled, and I don't understand why they make it so hard for me. You'd think they'd figure out, for people with ADHD, who tend to forget every month to call in our prescription, <laughs> an easier way to do that. And our dog has to go to the vet because she's got this thing, right? And it's just a million things, and that's kind of like best case scenario without a crisis. And it's like, how in the world do you keep all these plates spinning? And if we're not careful, even this season of Lent can, can sometimes become just this, another plate of being a good Christian. And so as I do all these other things, I need to find space in my life to attend through a good devotional or through some new practice that I take up so that I can be a good Christian. And the whole thing is exhausting, and we can so easily spend our days just jumping from plate to plate to plate of which one needs the most attention today. And then we get to the end of our day, and we crash into bed, and we set all our alarms to wake up and do it all again the next day. And if you relate to this at all, I have good news for you this morning. Good news is that... Uh, you're actually not that good of a Christian. <laughs> uh, that if you, if you define it in terms of, you know, the calling to love God and love neighbor with our whole heart, even on our best days, there's still so many mixed motives, right? Um, and we're still such a part of the culture that wants to pull us into defining ourselves and finding our value through our performance. And you're maybe not even as good of a parent as you think or as good of a spouse as you think or as good at your job as you think. I remember reading uh, years ago a, a book on self-deception and there was a stat in there that I think it was like 85% of professionals uh, surveys show say that they're above average at their job, which... Obviously, half, half of us are not <laughs> above average at our job, right? But it shows something of the capacity. But the good news of the gospel is that Christ died for you nonetheless. That your value and your identity are actually not based in how good you are at keeping all the plates spinning. It is simply in God's utter love for you made manifest in the cross of Christ. Amen? Amen. And I found myself this week, you know, working on, at one point this week I had this really sophisticated uh, sermon that I wanted to preach contrasting the foolishness of the gospel and Christian ethics with the way of the world and doing this, this complex reductio ad absurdum to show how the way of the world doesn't make sense or, or that that uh, that to follow in the assumptions of the wisdom of the world, to use Paul's language, leads to absurdity. And at one point, I just felt convicted this week to just keep it simple and preach the cross. That there's freedom in knowing that whatever these expectations we put on ourselves to keep all these plates spinning to perform, 
that none of that ultimately can make us good enough through our own self-striving, whatever good enough means. I don't know if it's a striving at wanting to prove to ourselves or others that we deserve to be loved, that we're worthy of love, of happiness, but ultimately the whole project of that striving falls short. And one of the great gifts of failure, if you've experienced failure in life, is that the good news is that you're closer to where true wisdom and true power can be found, which is in the cross of Christ, which is a, in a, a kneeling and a humbling and a letting go of trying to establish through our own power and our own wisdom our value as human beings. Paul uses this, this language of the foolishness of the gospel. And our, our theme in Lent is, is, you know, we're playing with this idea of the great reversal of the message of the cross as we approach the cross in, in this 40-day journey. The, the foolishness of, uh, as some have said, that the way up to God is actually down. There's all these, these paradoxes. And, you know, Paul, in this, this wonderful passage in 1 Corinthians, uh, he locates in the, the impulse of the Corinthians, which I think is quite familiar to us, a proclivity, a temptation towards two things through reliance on our own power and reliance on our own wisdom. Which for us today, that reliance on our own power might just be the belief that if we just try harder, we can keep up with all the plates. If we just get up a little earlier in the morning and stay up a little late and find some way to just maximize our energy, we can just we can keep up with it all. Or seeking wisdom, which might be if we just discover another life hack and can increase our efficiency and our technique in spinning, we can somehow keep up with it all. But the truth is that even if you're able to kind of keep up and you're pretty good at spinning plates, the reality is we we ultimately have so little control. And you can do everything right as a parent And yet, be devastated to see your kids struggling. You can do everything right professionally, and yet there are just things at work that are outside of your control that may, in the end, mean your hard work leads to success or failure. You can do everything right to be healthy and get sick, and it's just exhausting. And even if somehow you're able to have good enough luck to avoid crisis and to keep all those plates in the air, the reality of our situation is we all keep getting older, our bodies continue to break down. And we're all still dying. And again, the best case scenario is that we and everyone we love 
is still dying. And so Paul is quite emphatic with the Corinthians and with us that our hope is not to be found in our striving or in our own wisdom to figure this life thing out, but it's in Jesus. In the paradox of life, the foolishness of the gospel is that it's really in acknowledging how weak, how frail humanity really is that that we find strength. Strength, it turns out, is looks a lot more like someone being willing to say, I'm sorry, than it does someone digging in their heels that they couldn't possibly have made a mistake. It's in a surrender of the illusion of control that we actually start to feel a bit grounded in this life. It's through the letting go. It's in the admitting of just how foolish we really are, how little we really understand the things of this life, that the beginning of wisdom is found. And it's in confessing our utter need of a savior in the face of death that we discover the power of Christ for salvation. Down, it turns out, is the way up, the utter foolishness of the cross. I mean, this stuff was a scandal. Paul uses this language of, you know, our translation says a stumbling block to the Jews. The Greek word is scandelion, so the word we get our word scandal, that the cross of Christ isn't so much something that people would trip over as much as uh, something that is just offensive. It, it helps us understand some of Paul's furiosity at uh, Christians back when he was Saul and was the great persecutor of the church. That Christians were talking about a crucified Messiah. That's a contradiction in terms. Crucified. Deuteronomy, every good Jew would know, uh, told us that to hang on a tree is the sign of God's curse. And Messiah, God's holy anointed one, a crucified Messiah is utter madness. The the foolishness of a crucified Messiah where crucified is a sign of shame and Messiah is about splendor. The Messiah is the victor, the champion, and crucified means defeat. There's a foolishness at the heart of this world, a foolishness from the world's perspective in the heart of God and God's ways 
in this world. And the good news of the gospel is that we, in the season of Lent, are not called to show up and commit ourselves to 40 days of working extra hard to strive to get to God. We don't show up here to kind of get filled up with something emotionally that we have a little extra energy for the week, a little extra power, to maybe have, make some new connection to get a little extra wisdom, to increase our efficiency through the week. We show up here to remember again that in a very real sense, we are failures, all of us, And it's okay for us to embrace our falling short because we are loved by God just as we are. And so what does this mean practically? I did a a run-through of this yesterday, and someone's like, what do you mean by letting go? Because all these spinning plates, like, I I still have to get my kids to school (laughs) by 8 tomorrow. And our exhaust on our van is uh, getting really loud, and you still have to, you know, get back to that woman whose car your wife maybe nicked in a parking lot, just hypothetically. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, all these responses, and there's still this, like, Tony, are you saying just let's let the plates drop? Like, I just give up on trying to be a good spouse (laughs) or a good parent, and... What does this mean? I just, I'm just supposed to sit around and pray and give God thanks. No, I, I think perhaps what it means is that uh, maybe plates weren't meant to be spun in the first place. Maybe this whole spinning plates business is kind of silly. Maybe plates, instead of being spun, were meant to hold wonderful delicious meals for us to enjoy. And maybe we, maybe we do let a couple plates fill. Maybe this, this plate of this thing you're doing because your pressure from your parents or the expectations of someone else or that you put it, maybe it's okay to let that fall. Maybe it's okay if your house isn't always clean. Maybe some of them fall and we learn to prioritize and some of them we we, we stop spinning them and we, we set them on a table and we sit before them and we enjoy the gifts that God has given us. And maybe even our days don't look all that different from just a glance at our planners, but Maybe it's the difference from waking up in the morning and an anxious striving to be good enough in all these different categories. Maybe it's waking up and beginning in the love and the mercy of a God who made you for the enjoyment of good gifts. The God who rested on the seventh day. And to begin with a prayer of thank you, Jesus. Thank you for plates and the good gifts that they hold. Maybe it's a change in framing or motivation that it's, it's less about frantically trying to be a good parent and 
raise my kid with all these expectations of them. Maybe it's, it's more about, as uh, one podcaster I like says, your, your calling is not as a parent to raise your kid as much as to enjoy your kid or to enjoy your, your spouse. It doesn't, it doesn't mean there's not hard work, and this isn't an anti-intellectual, you know, don't read books on parenting or don't work on professional development or anything like that. Or don't take up Lenten practices. I've, I've been doing a, a devotional each night, which is, has blessed me, but, but it's approaching all this with an open-handedness, a relinquishment of the need for control and the need to fully understand it all. And going through life instead with a humble gratitude that all of it is gift. And that I've already been made right with God through the cross of Christ. That that business is done and finished. And everything now is simply bonus. That's the... uh, the gift that God has given us in Jesus Christ. And that's the calling for us this Lent to return to the reminder of our death, of our frailty, of how limited our knowledge really is. Let's pray. God, uh, Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the release that it is from all the expectations we so anxiously scramble to live up to. The release that it is to bring our exhaustion before you and to lay it at your feet and to take up instead an invitation to gratitude and perhaps even joy. Lord, uh, we are dependent on you. And may Sherman Street Church in all things Keep the cross central. Not get ahead of ourselves and thinking too highly of ourselves and our own wisdom or might. But to in all things come back to your love in Jesus Christ. We pray this in that good name. All God's people pray. Amen.